Father, we ask that as we open up our Bibles, that you would open up our hearts and our minds and that you would speak to us and that you would make us attentive to your voice. We ask that in attending to your voice that you might change us and mold us and shape us to be a people of hope and stability in the midst of a very chaotic world. And we ask all of these things in Christ's name and all God's people said, amen. So if you're joining with us for the first time this morning, this is a good time for you to be joining together with us. We are beginning a brand new series this morning called Centered in the Chaos. And what we're going to be talking together about is how we, in the midst of all these very chaotic, difficult, challenging times, how we can have our own hearts and our lives centered in God in the midst of all of the turbulence around us. And as kind of a guide for our our lives kind of being centered in God, we're going to be journeying through the book of Psalms. Now, we're not going to cover every Psalm. There's 150 of them, and the series is only going to go about 10 weeks. But we're going to take a really good selection of these Psalms that help us kind of center our own hearts in God. Now, I wanted to talk to you about this topic right now, because I think in times like this, It does us well to ask the question, what might God be saying to us in the midst of what we're going through? You know, it was C.S. Lewis who said that pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciences, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And so it's important for us to ask in times like we're going through right now, what might God be saying to us? How might he be getting our attention? What might he be leading us into? What might he want to do in our lives during this season? And I believe that at least one of the most significant things that God wants to do in your life right now is to help you engage more personally and more effectively with him. God wants to see your own heart and your life centered in his own heart and life so that you can find stability in the midst of the chaos. And so as a guide to help us better engage with God and get centered in God, we're gonna be studying through the book of Psalms. You know, Psalms was the book in the New Testament that is quoted more than any other of the Old Testament books. It is the book in the Old Testament that Jesus himself quotes more than all of the other Old Testament books. Uh, Martin Luther called it the little Bible. Uh, Calvin said that Psalms was an anatomy of the soul and Athanasius said it was a mirror of our soul because it reflects so much back to us, our own interior lives. And so we're going to be diving into this very rich and this uh, very evocative and fascinating uh, book uh, beginning this morning. And so what I want to do this morning is I just want us to begin with kind of a, a broad flyover of the whole book. We're going to be doing kind of a basic general introduction. And so I want to introduce to you uh, the book of Psalms underneath three headings this morning. Number one, we're going to talk about some of the basics of the book. Uh, Second, we're going to look at the structure of the book. And then finally, we're going to kind of drill down a little bit in the dynamic that we find in this book. So the basics, the structure, and the dynamic. If you're taking notes, and you should be because I am going to be given a little bit of content today, and you have no excuse, you can run over to your desk right now and grab a piece of paper and a pencil and sit and uh, take some some notes. But number one, let's kind of begin with the basics. And let me just begin by asking this simple question. What is the book of Psalms? 
What is the book of Psalms anyway? Well, if you're brand new to Christianity, Psalms is a book in the Bible. It's a book in the Old Testament. It's the longest book in the Old Testament. And if you open up your Bible right in the middle, you'll find the book of Psalms. And Psalms is a collection, it's an ancient collection of poetic, brutally honest Hebrew prayers and hymns. So the Psalms are an ancient collection of poetic and very much uh, raw and honest Hebrew prayers. So they are an ancient collection of prayers. Uh, They date all the way back, uh, some of the earliest Psalms date back almost 3,000 years, some about 2,500 years ago. Uh, They are written by a variety of different authors. And so Psalms is something like uh, an anthology, uh, kind of like we have an anthology of British poetry, and it covers a, a wide variety of eras within British history. So too, Psalms covers a variety of different prayers that were written throughout Israel's history. And, and they stretch over about 500 years, kind of their, their writing. And, and the authors range from, uh, you know, going all the way back to Moses, to prayers of David, uh, to some people called the sons of Korah, to Asaph, uh, to a guy named He-Man, which when I first, uh, I remember actually several weeks ago now, I saw a, a sermon that was preached by a pastor named Tim Keller, and it was, by, it was called The Song of He-Man. And when I first saw the title, I was confused. I thought, why is Tim Keller calling, you know, why is he naming this, um, this, this, this sermon that he has after He-Man? You know, I was thinking He-Man and She-Ra. I'm a child of the 80s. I grew up with that. Don't you remember that? By the power of Grayskull? Anybody? I don't know. Anyway, um, But He-Man was actually one of the authors in the book. So uh, there's about seven or eight different named authors in the book. And then there's about 50 Psalms that have no author. We don't know who they are. They're anonymous. They have an author. We just don't know who it is. So they're anonymous. And so it's an ancient collection of Hebrew prayers. And they're poetic prayers. And so Hebrew poetry has a variety of different characteristics. Uh, it utilizes a metaphor and evocative images that are elastic that you can kind of draw different meaning from. And so the book of Psalms is replete with metaphor and image. Uh, there's also a parallelism that is replete throughout this book where one line kind of follows upon the next. And so there's different qualities in this book that reflect Hebrew poetry. And so it's an ancient collection of poetic and brutally honest Hebrew prayers. I say brutally honest because throughout the Psalter, uh, there is all kinds of expressions that almost make us blush because of their honesty. You know, the way that the authors talk about their own sin and their brokenness or their anger or their doubt or their hatreds or their vengeance. And uh, it is raw and it's honest. And in that way, it deeply connects with us. And so it's this this broad range of Hebrew poems that were compiled together in this one source. Now, why was it brought together? What is the point of this book? Well, the book was given to us in order to help express but also form our own prayers. Uh, Let me uh, put it like this. Um, Let me me just show you this in... um, uh, show you this image here. So this is uh, a picture of my Bible right here. And I, and I want to just um, draw to your attention something that you find in the book of Psalms. So notice it where it says Psalm 51. Uh, there's a little subscription there. And it says, to the choir master, a Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. 
Now, about 116 of the Psalms have this little subscription. And so let me just put it back up again one more time. And let me just point out a couple of things. So this subscription shows to us who the author was. It was David of this Psalm. And it tells us about the occasion. It was when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone to Bathsheba. And so this was a very dark uh, time in David's life. And then it says it is for the choir master. Now, what's that about? Well, I want you to see that what, what is happening here is he is referring to a very concrete situation in his own life. This is the situation out of which this psalm was written. It was after he was confronted, he was exposed, he was uh, deconstructed before the face of God, and he fell apart, you know, and his own sins were, were brought to God. And David cries out to God in this psalm out of this very specific situation. And yet, I want you to see that the situation is shared about. David writes this prayer down, not simply to express his own heart and pain. He also writes for the choir master. What's that about? Well, this is a prayer that is written for the people of God when they would gather together in the Old Testament times at the temple for worship. And they would pray this prayer together. And so this was an individual prayer coming out of a very particular situation, but it was for the communal good so that they could engage in this prayer in worship. Why? Well, at least two reasons. One, because the prayers in the book of Psalms help us to express in language that sometimes we can't find for ourselves our own pain, our own doubt, our own joy, our own wonder, our own worship. It helps us voice better than we can our own joy, pain, and worship. And it does for us what oftentimes some of our best songs do for us. And so, you know, when you are in love or maybe you're going through a breakup or maybe you're, you want to rage against the machine, you're angry at the government, uh, or you're growing old or your children are getting older and they're moving out of the house, what helps you oftentimes in those seasons of life? Often it's the songs you listen to. And very often the songs you listen to help express for you what you cannot find words to express yourself. And the Psalms do that for us. They're a gift. They help bring to expression better than we know how to express ourselves what we are going through in our own hearts and lives. And they have always been this rich resource for the people of God. You know, it's interesting. Some of these Psalms are written 2,500 years ago. I mean, they're ancient in a different foreign culture, uh, written by different people and radically different situations and social settings than we find ourselves. And yet sometimes the very words themselves leap off at the page and it feels like it was written last week. And it felt, felt to you like, man, there was no better song that could have expressed where I'm at right now than what I am reading right here. And so these Psalms were given one to express where we are at before the face of God. But not only are they written for, to help us to express and to voice where we find ourselves before the face of God, they're also given to help form and shape our own prayers. In other words, the Psalter teaches us how to pray. You know, before the face of God, we are like little children. And very often we just don't know what to say. You know, kids can say, you know, the, the silliest things, sometimes the most embarrassing things. I remember uh, when uh, my sister-in-law, Chelsea, was just a little girl, four or five years old. Uh, Alicia, my wife, was at the market with her, and they were walking around the grocery store. And they got in line, and they were standing in line behind a lady that was very, very large lady. And, um, and, and 
uh, Chelsea's eyes got as big as saucers and right, you know, very close in the hearing of this woman, uh, Chelsea blurted out, she said, Alicia, that lady's bottom is enormous. And it, it just, you know, uh, of course that's so inappropriate. Like it was exactly the wrong thing to say. It, and we are like that before the face of God. Sometimes we don't know what to say. We say the wrong things. Our, our words stumble uh, because we're like the Maris babes before the face of our creator. And the Psalms teach us how to pray. They help us learn to pray. Eugene Peterson put it like this. He said, if we want to pray our true condition, our total selves in response to the living God, expressing our feelings is not enough. We need a long apprenticeship in prayer. We need graduate school, and the Psalms are that school. And so the Psalms are the school in which we can learn how to pray. They teach you, they teach me how to engage with God. And so over the next several weeks together as we are in this series, we're gonna learn from this ancient book of Hebrew prayers uh, how to pray. And so that's kind of the basics of the book. But let's talk up for a little bit now about the structure of the book. So the, the Psalter is written in, uh, it, it contains five distinct books. And so if you have your Bible and you're looking at, uh, if you open with me to Psalm chapter one, you notice right ahead of Psalm one, it says book one. Well, this is the first of five books. And so the Psalter unfolds in five distinct books. And there is an introduction in chapters one and two. And then there are these five books. And then those five books are concluded with five explosions of praise in Psalms 146 through 150. And we heard the very last Psalm in the Psalter read for us this morning, Psalm 150. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But what's fascinating is that these uh, the, the Psalms were arranged by an editor or maybe an editorial board in these five distinct books in order that they might mirror the five books of Moses, the Torah. Why? Well, because the Torah was the very founding literature of the nation Israel. It was their foundation. It, it told their story of who they were and of whose they were. It told the story of how God had rescued them from Egypt and made them his people and heaped them down with promises. It gave, him, it gave the people of Israel God's law and said, here's what it means to live faithfully with me. And so the Torah, in essence, gives us God's word to the people. And in some ways, it's almost as if we are given a second five books in order to voice the prayers of the people to God. We could put it like this. The Torah gives us God's word to us so that we might learn how we can walk faithfully with God. And then the Psalms give us our words for God so that we can know how to faithfully live and love God and express our own prayers and our praise and our worship and our adoration and our joy and our doubts all before the face of God. And in this way, the Psalms teach us really something very essential about prayer. You know, prayer comes right in the middle of relationship with God. Very often we treat God as if he's a giant cosmic genie and we come to him with a list of things that we want God to do. And of course there is something good and right about bringing God your needs. We are invited to bring our needs to God. And yet prayer 
is way, way, way beyond simply giving God a list of needs. In prayer, we actually engage in dialogue with God about the things that matter most in our hearts and lives. And I think very often why prayer gets kind of boring for us is because we're simply giving God a list. We, we've come to him with our grocery list and we're rattling that thing off rather than bringing to him the deepest pain, the deepest joy, uh, the deepest sorrow in our own heart and exposing that and bringing that before his face. And so the Psalms invite us into this deep relationship with God. It invites us to respond to God with our love and our joy and our obedience. And so we've seen something of the basics of the Psalms, and uh, then we've seen something of the structure of the Psalm. But what I want to do now is I kind of want to drill down for a little bit and talk to you about the dynamic that we find in this book. And it's a dynamic that is expressed in the types of Psalms we find in the book. So there are three basic types of Psalms. And and I, I, several years ago, I read a book on the Psalms by an Old Testament scholar named Walter Brueggemann, and it, it, it was paradigm shifting for me. I felt like it gave a, a frame for my own Christian life, and I've carried it with me ever since. I, I read this 15 years ago. And I want to share with you what I learned from Walter Brueggemann about the Psalms. So Brueggemann highlights something that almost everyone sees in the Psalms, and that's that there are basic types of Psalms. And he categorizes the Psalms in three types. He says, number one, he says, there are songs of orientation. And then he says there are songs or Psalms of disorientation. And then he says there are Psalms of new orientation. Now, Psalms of, disor or Psalms of orientation are psalms that we pray or psalms that are prayed in this book when life is good and when we are experiencing God as stable and faithful and our provider and our strength and our rock. And in these psalms, there's all kinds of joy and delight expressed to God over all kinds of good things that we experience in our life. And so, for example, Psalm 133, it says, Oh, how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together. This is a psalm that is delighting in and rejoicing in the fellowship in the church family. And then there's psalms uh, like Psalm 1 that says, Oh, how happy is the person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. And in God's law, they meditate day and night. This will be like a person planted by the rivers who, who, will, who will be stable and strong and whose leaves will never wither, but they'll go from strength to strength. And so these are Psalms that are rejoicing in the delight of being with the people of God, delighting in living the life of, of the ways of God. There are Psalms that delight in the creation of God. The heavens declare the glory of God, says Psalm 19. Or Psalm 104, when you open your hands, O God, it is filled with good things. God opens his hand to satisfy the desire of all living things. These are Psalms we sing uh, in the words of Psalm 16:6, when he says, my lines have fallen in pleasant places. That's a statement referring to uh, his allotment, his, his land that he owns. He says, my land is good. Life is successful. All things are going well. 
And these are psalms really that give voice to those seasons in our life when we are praising God for all of the goodness that we have received. When we sing the words of that song that we sang before uh, I began preaching, you keep on getting better, keep on getting better. You know, and th this is kind of the song you sing in these seasons of orientation. And so there's one category, kind of a catalog of songs that are, are, are like this. But then there's a second category of psalms. And these are psalms of disorientation. Now, in psalms of disorientation, you are not celebrating the goodness of God. You are not rejoicing in how great everything is. In psalms of disorientation, you are lamenting and you are complaining because things are not the way they're supposed to be. Psalms of disorientation are those psalms that you sing when the bottom comes out on you, when life starts to fall apart, when things don't work the way they're supposed to go. You know, when you were taught, you know, that God is good, he's providing for you, but then you find yourself in lack and need and you've prayed, you, you've prayed for a job, you've prayed for a spouse, you've prayed for a child, and it seems like your prayers are going unanswered and you're thinking, what is going on? Or maybe you've, you've walked in the way of God, but the result has not been happiness. Instead, you are depressed and you are clinically depressed and you can't seem to get out from under it. And during these seasons, the Psalms, during the seasons of disorientation, we hear the Psalter cry out in questions toward God, saying things like, how long, O Lord, will you forget me? Psalm 13. Or why, O Lord, do you stand afar off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Psalm 10. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from the words of my groaning? Psalm 22. Why have you rejected me? Psalm 44. These are psalms when we feel just overcome, sometimes by our own sin, like in Psalm 38. My iniquities have gone over my head. They are like a heavy burden, too heavy for me. Or times when we're just overcome with depression. My tears have been food for me day and night. Psalm 42. Times when we just feel like we are in need of the mercy of God. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Times when we are experiencing the injustice of the world and the darkness of the world, and we are stuck in the mud, we are down in the pit. And so there's this whole catalog of songs that are called Psalms of Lament. And this actually, interestingly, uh, fills out the majority of the psalms. Isn't that interesting? The majority of the psalms are not psalms where we're simply celebrating all that is good. The majority of the psalms, the largest catalog we have are psalms where we're crying out in brokenness because things are not going the way they're supposed to. And I think there's a good reason for that. The reason probably is because often that's just how we are experiencing life. So there's psalms of orientation, and then there are psalms of disorientation, and then there are songs, psalms of new orientation. And in psalms of new orientation, you experience a transformation by the surprising grace and gift of God that breaks into your life, and God actually draws you out of the darkness. 
Or in the words of Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined and he heard my cry, and he pulled me out of the pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock. Or the words of Psalm 30, you turn my mourning into dancing. These are, these are Psalms where God steps in, and even though we, we felt so despondent and we were crushed, we experienced the surprise of God's joy and God's grace, and he breaks in and he brings transformation in our life. And so there's these three basic catalogs of Psalms throughout the Psalter, and in the weeks ahead, we're going to be exploring each one of these types of Psalms. But what I want to point out to you right now is I just want you to see that these Psalms actually connect with seasons that we find ourselves in. Uh, sometimes we find ourselves in seasons of orientation where we are praising God, seasons of disorientation where we are laid out flat on our back. And then sometimes we are in seasons of new orientation where it seems like against all hope, God took us out of the darkness and he brought us into the light by his sheer grace. And what the Psalter teaches you and what it teaches me is that whatever season you find yourself in, it is the right season to come before God. Now listen, I think in our evangelical subculture, what we feel most comfortable singing are the happy songs. They're the songs that we sing in life when everything is going well, you know, when the sun is shining. And it's the songs that we most commonly sing in our churches. It's the news we want to hear in our churches. We want to, uh, uh, talks that are uplifting and that, that, you know, that move us and shake us and, you know, cause us to dance. And I probably shouldn't be dancing, especially in front of a camera, but, you know, th there it goes. But, but often in church, this is what we feel most comfortable singing. Psalms that we don't often find in churches are psalms like Psalm 109, when the psalmist is so upset by the injustice of the world and how wronged he has been that he is actually praying God's vengeance down on people. Psalms where, like Psalm 88, where the whole thing is basically a cry of lament and the very last phrase, he says, I am left in the darkness. And that's all you get in the psalm. And yet what is fascinating in the Psalter is that there is nothing inappropriate to bring before the face of God. You know what God doesn't want? What God doesn't want is your dishonest self. God doesn't want your false self. He doesn't want you to be fake because God can't do anything with your false self because it's not the real you. What the Psalter invites us to do is to bring wherever we find ourselves before the face of God. And so let me just ask you this morning, kind of as we begin this entire series, where are you? What season of life do you find yourself in? Are, are you right now, are you struggling with doubt? Are you in the darkness and depressed and sad? Are you in a season of disorientation? I have good news for you. You are not alone and you have never been alone. The people of God throughout the history of God's dealing with his people have found themselves in the dark night of the soul. And this is exactly the time when you should open up yourself before God and say, God, I am crying out to you. And even though it, it feels like, like my prayers are hitting the ceiling and coming down, God, I will not leave. 
God, I will continually bring my cry before you. And this is what the Psalms teach you to do, is to keep bringing your cry before you. You know, but are you in those spaces where, man, it's all brand new and it seems like everything is good? That's good too. Like, we don't think you're being fake. Sometimes seasons in life are just that way. It it seems like you are surrounded by the goodness of God and life is gift and gift and gift and, and you just can't help but singing, you know, oh, how good and how pleasant it is for for the brothers and sisters to dwell together. You know, how great it is to meditate on God's word. You know, look, the heavens are declaring the glory of God like the Psalms meet you there and they, they help voice your praise. But are you in a place right now where where God has drawn you out of the pit and he set you free from the addiction? He brought you out of the darkness. He healed your fractured marriage. He, He brought joy where there was only pain and sorrow. The Psalms give you praises and thanks to voice to God. Songs of new orientation. And of course, we are never in one season or the other. Usually we're kind of in, in, a, in, a, in a state of flex. This truly is a dynamic we experience in our life. Sometimes we, we are in a state of orientation, but then on our way to disorientation because the marriage is falling apart or the prayers are not being answered or we just got the diagnosis back and, and it was malignant. And, and but, but you, are, you find yourself kind of moving from orientation to disorientation, or maybe there's a pandemic and you are socially isolated and you're over it and you find yourself disoriented. Or, 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 or you're moving from that place of disorientation and you're moving to ori- new orientation. But we are always in this kind of dynamic. And one of the things that Brueggemann points out in his book that I think is so insightful is that this movement that we see in the Psalms from orientation to disorientation to new orientation is the same movement that we discover in the life of Christ. Christ, you can, you can envision, you could frame his healing ministry and his life where he's teaching the multitudes and healing the sick as a, as a, as a time of orientation when the crowds are growing, when people are coming around him and they're being healed, and he is there in the state of orientation. And then he moves, of course, to a state of disorientation in the cross. And there Christ takes on the words of the disoriented one from the Psalter, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then in the empty tomb, we see the surprise joy of the gospel, the surprise of grace, where death is overcome with God's life, where the, the verdict of, 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 of guilty and you're, you're finished on the cross is overturned by the verdict of God. This is my beloved son who I have raised from the dead to newness of life so that this life might be shared through all creation. It's no wonder that Dietrich Bonhoeffer called the book of Psalms the prayer book of Jesus Christ. For he said, for in its pages, we meet the praying Christ. And there are those moments when you're reading through the Psalms and it just strikes you that that you're, you're reading about something more than the experience of David or Asaph. This is a prophetic, he's speaking beyond himself to something that is so dark that God in Christ actually immersed himself into. Well, as we move on throughout our series in the weeks ahead, I just wanna invite you to consider kind of prayerfully, reflectively upon that question, what season of life do you find yourself in right now? And what I wanna encourage you to do is to take some space 
and to share with somebody around you, maybe a spouse or a sibling or a friend over Skype or phone or Zoom, because you know you can't get enough of Zoom during a pandemic. Um, but, but talk with somebody about kind of the season of life you're in right now. Just share with them like, am I in a state of orientation, disorientation, or new orientation? And then the second question I'd invite you to reflect on is how did you get there? What happened in your life that brought you kind of into this state of disorientation or, or, or you know, moved you from disorientation to new orientation and share that with somebody? Ask somebody these questions. You know, what season of life are you in? And how did you get there? Invite them to share with, with you their story. And the, the final thing I want to invite you to consider as we move forward in the series ahead is consider how God might want to meet you in the season you're at right now. You know, there is nothing out of bounds. There is no place where you find yourself right now that is too far from where God might be able to touch you and meet you. And so it is where you are right now that God wants to meet you. And so I would invite you to use the Psalter in the weeks ahead, kind of begin to, to, to read through it, begin to pray through the Psalms. You know, the book of Psalms is like a Shakespearean play in this. It's not simply meant to be read and studied. A Shakespeare play to reach its fullest, you know, self, it needs to be performed. And so too, the Psalter, it's not enough for us to study them or read them. We actually need to perform them in our own prayers, in our own worship, in our own singing. And so I invite you in the the weeks ahead as we walk through this series to take your own heart, your own life, whatever season you're in right now, and find those Psalms that bring voice to where you are at right now and meditate on those and allow God to meet you there and take you where he wants you to be. And so I just want to close in prayer, and I just want to pray over our church family as we move into this series, that God would take this this journey that we walk through the Psalms, and that he would use this to center our own hearts in the midst of the chaos, wherever we may find ourselves. And so let's pray together. Our great God and Father, we come to you now. And Father, we ask that you might expose to us where we really are. Sometimes we even lie to ourselves and we deceive ourselves. But God, you know us fully. You know us completely. You know us all the way down. And we pray, oh God, that your knowing might expose us. And I pray, oh God, that you might not simply expose where we are at, but I ask God that you might meet us in this series, that you might meet us in the Psalms, meet us in your word. God, meet us in our doubt, in our pain, in our joy, in our gratitude. God, meet us where we are and take us to where you want us to be. And I ask, Father, as well, that you would use the conversations that we have together just to further kind of enrich our own hearts and lives, enlighten us through the conversations we have with one another, and continue to lead us and guide us, O God, to the place where you want us to be. And we ask all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus, who entered into the disorientation so that he might bring us into the hope, into the new orientation of the resurrected life. And it's in his name that we ask this, amen.